0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is our Jay Howard, which is the latest edition of Amazing Conversations. I'm honored to have Joe Buck, pro football Hall of Famer, longtime voice of baseball and football on Fox now, and doing his uh, third season uh, as the voice of ESPN Monday Night Football with Troy Aikman. Joe, I don't want you to take offense to this. I used to hate coming to St. Louis when I was with the Mets. Absolutely hate it. People, they used to call us during the 90s, they used to call us pine scum. Do you remember any of that? You were a young guy at that time. Do you remember any of that?
1: Oh, my God, yeah. But that was fun. I mean, you know, I, I, I like those rivalries. I know you used to hate it because you wear your Mets love right on your sleeve. Uh, I do. Right here, Joe.
0: Right here. I know. Right that's here. why
1: you're a Hall of Famer. Uh, right. And I get it. I mean, they call me scum when I go up to to New York. So I mean, you know that that's just it's it's turnabout's fair play. So everybody thinks I hate the Mets and I'm a Cardinal I used guy. you a
0: little fast, but now I know you did. I'm
1: yeah, okay. I'm uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I I I look back on the '80s with great fondness for the game and how much you know that was a part of me growing up. That was a part of me you know, getting to love baseball, you know, and, and those rivalries, I mean, think about the, the lineups with those two teams and how fun it was to watch them battle. And they really went about it kind of in different ways, I guess, with the Cardinals in the big stadium and AstroTurf and Whitey ball and speed and, and, you know, moving guys over and stealing bases. And then I think of the Mets and I think of Howard Johnson and of course, Daryl Strawberry and all those and and our guy Keith Hernandez, who I know you you don't even acknowledge that the guy played for the Cardinals for God's sake. No, he's a
0: '86 captain the Mets. Yeah, I know,
1: I know all that stuff. Uh, but I, yeah, I just loved see, I loved baseball at that time in my life, and during the pandemic, when they were when MLB Network was running all those games and the great matchups you guys had with the Astros and Cardinals games, I, I was like, man, they, I, I miss, I, I long for that time in the game.
0: You know, Whitey Herzog had the audacity to check Howard Johnson's bats for cork. Yeah. That was really untoward. Yeah, you know it really
1: I mean? was. I mean, there was nothing f- of foreign substance in there at all. I mean, I remember all that controversy and guys sneaking across the paneling and the ceiling yeah. to go into the umpire's room to get the bat, all the yeah. stuff that went on back then. But that stuff was all like kind of uh, all part of the war that was the Cardinals and Mets.
0: Do you remember Dallas Humming on off daily when he took
1: off? Oh my god. Yeah. Off the clock at that ballpark. Uh I, I can only for for per, people of a certain generation of a certain age, uh that that was a monster, monster shot. And now to by the way, know Daryl Strawberry as as I guess to adults now. I'm out of the game, he's out of the game. And to see him in the St. Louis airport. Uh, yeah, he lives, he lives right
0: outside of St. Louis now. Yeah,
1: you know? I mean, he's yeah. on—he's—he's he's in our turf now, and he's one of the greatest, sweetest, most wonderful human beings. Uh,
0: he's doing a lot of good work now too with, with kids and all kinds of drugs. And he was actually at uh, two penitentiaries this week in St. Louis. Speaking of convicts about drugs,
1: he's a special guy. I—I um, yeah. I got the chance to play golf with him at the the Tahoe event years ago, which just ended uh, this year the other day and got to know him better, and, uh, you know, I, I just think the world of him. So he, he's he's become a, a great, great human being.
0: Okay, I gave you my other gripe, and again, don't take it personally. There are too many Cowboy quarterbacks on network TV. <laughs> too many. <laughs> I mean, my guy Phil is back in the studio. We got maybe Bobby Clutterbuck, or or we got to even up with, with Troy and Tony. We got to get another giant on let Yeah, who do, so right.
1: let's, who do you want? Uh, Dave Brown. Dave Brown would be good,
0: or Bobby Glenn Griffin, you know, tra- you know, YA Tittle, but he's dead.
1: That's yeah, that would, that would that, probably would, uh, that would that would would require a lot of work on the part of the play by play guy if he were to work yeah. these days with YA Tittle.
0: Joe, when was the last time he kept scoring for a baseball game?
1: Uh, the last world series game I did, which at the time I didn't know was the last world series game I was going to do, which is two years ago. Uh, I guess two Octobers ago, um, in Atlanta is the last time that I, I kept score of any baseball game. I still watch a lot. Um, it is weird to be out of the game and I, hopefully someday you never find out. I don't think you will. I, you know, it, it, you remind me of my dad. My dad used to say, uh, two guys are going to be walking in downtown St. Louis, and one guy's going to turn to the other and say, hey, did you hear Jack Buck died in the booth last night? And the other <laughs> guy will say, oh, really? That's too bad. Did the Cardinals win? And, and that's kind of how baseball is. But the game has kind of flown by me. And, uh, you know, once you walk out, it's hard to kind of keep up with I watched the All Star Game, parts of the All Star Game, you know, not long ago, and it's like, who are some of these guys? I've I've never heard of some of these guys, and I haven't been out that long.
0: You know, Joe, I'm old enough to have worked with your dad. I mean, that's how long I mean. I remember the, the one call when Ozzie Smith hit the home run, and he could go crazy. Folks go crazy. There's a playoff game in St. Louis, yeah. and you know, what, you know, I always remember with my early days with him. Was he? Was was he? I guess the main reason why you got doing what you're doing now with your dad,
1: completely. Um, and, and I think just because we were so close, you know, uh, I came along at a time in his life when he was ready. I think to be a little bit uh, of a more involved dad. You know, I I was kid number seven uh, of his total of eight, but number one with my mom and. I just came along at a time in 1969 when his career had kind of taken a, a step forward. Harry Carey was gone from St. Louis. My dad had become the number one guy. And i he just wanted me with him. And when I was a little boy, I mean, he would take me on road trips. I was in New York. I was at Shea Stadium, uh, staying at the Grand Hyatt as a little kid and riding on the team bus out to the ballpark and seeing the rats that used to live. i get Were they cats or rats that lived between uh, – <laughs> They were cats.
0: That's what happened in the 16th and I went through. The cats spoke the Cubs out, and that's how we won. Yeah, we we the cats by the. That's, that's lives what happened. Lives. But I, that's how we won. I,
1: I just came along at a time I, th- I think when he wanted uh, a, a son of his around. I have two older brothers. Um, I had a much different experience as a kid with my dad than I think they did. Um, and and so I just idolized him. And whether he was a broadcaster or a plumber or a lawyer or a police officer or whatever. I think I was just so close to him and, and I was such a part of, of, of his work world uh, that I was naturally going to go into whatever it was he did. And so I was lucky that he did something that was so fun. And, and I think when, I, when you're a kid and you see a parent who can't wait to go to work, uh, even, you know, when my dad was at his most ill, you know, with Parkinson's and diabetes and everything else that he was dealing with, he just couldn't wait to go to the ballpark and do the game. And I think when you're a little kid and you see that, I think your natural tendency is to follow in their footsteps and want to be what they are. And and so I, I was really lucky that that I came along when I did, that my parents were my parents um, and you know, I here we are, uh, thirty years later plus.
0: Joe, so you're leaving Fox gave a big break right to one of our favorite guys around here, Kevin Burkhardt. How yeah. much of a deal did you have with Kevin before you left? Have-
1: I said at the time and, and I meant it, and, and I mean it I think even more so now. One of the really cool side pieces to this was that I got out of the way for Joe Davis in baseball and I got out of the way for Kevin Burkhart in football and I actually knew that Kevin Burkhart was going to take over for me on the NFL side before Kevin Burkhart knew and and I was texting with him when when I when it was announced that I was going to ESPN and and I I think I said something cryptic like good things are coming your way buddy and and but but I didn't want to be the one to tell him that was up to Fox to tell him and have that moment with Kevin. I, as you know, Kevin is just a great, wonderful guy. I couldn't be more proud of of how he and Greg Olson did in this past Super Bowl, this past first season. You know, Troy, Chris, and I filled in for Pat Summerall and John Madden, and that that was a hard thing to do because they they're arguably the best to ever do it. That's not the case for Kevin and Greg, but we had been there for twenty years, so. For them to step up, do the job they did, and for Kevin to remain the great guy that he is, um, I I just love him. And uh, it's it's nice to get out of somebody's way and and see them take advantage of that and flourish.
0: You know, he hasn't forgotten his mentorship. Joe, I can call for stuff. He'll pick the phone up, and you know, and that's just great about him. He's just. Kevin, you know, he hasn't changed at all with all the success he's had now.
1: Yeah, and, and I, I talked to him prior to the season uh, when they were about ready to get – they were doing a preseason game, and and I kind of gave him the lay of the land with our producer and director who are great, Richie Zions and Rich Russo, Zions being the number one Mets fan of anybody that I know in my life. Um, <laughs> and and I, I kind of told him how it worked on that crew and then talked to him prior to the Super Bowl – but I also didn't want to be like the the overbearing dad or parent going. Here's how I did it. Here's how you should do it. And it's the same with Joe Davis with baseball. You have to let them find their own way. But they didn't need me. They they were ready for that opportunity. And uh, they took advantage of it, and and I'm I'm friends with both, and I'm I'm happy that that they did. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make
0: restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than
1: 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. And they're doing so well. The
0: 2001 uh, uh, Yankee, Yankee, uh, uh, Arizona game. How nervous were you that going to Yankee Stadium, members with bushes on the mound? Yeah. You know, so do you, what do you remember about that day?
1: It's weird. It's weird to think about that time now. Um, it, it, I think it made everybody and, and you certainly being a New Yorker, um, and I sat here in the middle of the country, but I, I think it, it f- made everybody feel vulnerable for the first time in their own country, uh, You know, of certain generations. Maybe they did back way back when, but but for us it was like, I don't know. I baseball took a, a pause for five or six days and then I remember driving down to Bush Stadium. Uh, for the first game after 9/11, feeling like man, we're all in this big stadium, and it was kind of a, a, a nervous feeling. That's when my dad read that poem uh, in the middle of, of Bush Stadium's field, and it led off Sports Center, and he got you know, it was like him and Piazza were the two guys that kind of got baseball back up and running in some ways with with Piazza's heroics and. And my dad's palm, I, I think, went a long way. But I, I remember going into the stadium, and and when I got in the car to go to the ballpark uh, for that game three, I was nervous. When I got to the stadium and I saw all the security measures that had been taken and everything that was in place, I thought, you know what? I'm walking into the safest place in the world right now. And, and I don't know that – Maybe I should know this, but I don't know that we were really aware for concrete proof that that President Bush was going to throw out that pitch. I, I certainly was not ready for how emotional that was. Um, and to sit up in the booth and to watch him walk out there with that confident stride. By himself. Uh, yeah, by himself. And delivered that strike from the mound. And We all know now, Derek Jeter, you know, had told him, "Hey, if you don't throw it from the rubber, they're going to boo you at Yankee Stadium." Yeah. And, and it just like it almost feels like the last time politics kind of was set aside, I agree. I agree. and everybody was just an American and rooting for that pitch to be a strike, and it was. So uh, it was one of the most powerful moments I've ever seen in a stadium, uh, and and I'm I'm glad that I can say I was there.
0: DeMar Hamlin, Uh talk a bit. I mean, you never went through it like that again, you and Troy. I mean, what was that experience like?
1: Yeah, I, I hope I, I never have to be behind the mic. I hope it never happens again, whether I'm there or not. It doesn't matter. But I, I, I just remember when he got up after that initial hit and then went down, I think we're all kind of conditioned, as sad as it is, to think, oh, well, it's a head injury, you know he got he got dinged. He's woozy, and you know he'll he'll sit the rest of this one out. And then we come back, and he had he had gotten up, gone down. They're still working on him. We take another commercial break, and and during that second commercial break is when we could see our cameras pulled back, which I think is the right move, and we could see over the ring of players that were standing, uh, kind of protecting him that they were working feverishly giving him CPR and, and trying to revive him. And, and that's when it was breathtaking. And, and that's when sports didn't matter and somebody's young life did. And, you know, I, I, I've said this many times on podcasts since then, but I'll say it again because it, it's probably most applicable here uh, because of the audience. That The job that the medical staff did there in the middle of that field in a sold-out stadium with that kind of pressure a national television audience and 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 made that work and and cut a trach hole in and got aired immediately in so that he's now in a position to to maybe go back and resume his career it was like landing a plane on the hudson everything had to go perfect and it did and and so it, it turns into this great inspiring story i've gotten to know Demar. he's a wonderful guy I, know
0: him after that.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I, I didn't know him prior, uh, unfortunately, but I've known him since. And and he was at our upfronts for ABC and, and I saw him and I immediately, I, it was just, I was triggered to just be emotional to see this guy. Like, you know, we were all, I, I had a microphone like this in front of my face, trying to come up with the right words and you have no information, you have nothing to go on. So um, it, it was, it was a, it was a, catch your breath moment. And you just started praying. And I started thinking of of myself describing it to, to my two little boys or my two older daughters who were texting me while it was going on. And when you have that much, sorry to prattle on, but when, when you have that much contact through text, my text chain just lit up with what's going on, what's going on, what, and you start to realize, man, this is, this is gripping. A country right now, and man, make sure what you say is correct, and you don't do anything, any speculating. Um, you know, thank Could you God.
0: Could you believe he's going to play again? It's remarkable.
1: It, it is, and it's. You know, I, I far be it from me or you or anybody else to tell him what he can't do. Um, you know, but it it seems like it's scary. It's gonna be scary when he gets that first hit, which is gonna come in training camp. I'm sure there are going to be a lot of people there with the Bills that are, can just hold their breath and hope to God that everything's okay. But, you know, from everything I've learned, and and I can't act like it's much, but I have a friend, Chris Pronger, who played for the Blues that had the same thing happen to him. He took a slap shot, the puck hit him in the heart at just the wrong moment before a beat. And he he suffered the same thing and played a long career after it. So I I, I think it was a fluke thing. He got hit at the exact Wrong moment for his heart, and it's you know one in a billion. It happened, and and you know if you're him, you think, well, I'm going to go back and do what I do. It's not going to happen to me again.
0: Joe, tell me the the background of switching gears. We'll see you again tomorrow night. Yeah, remember you said that after the free someone in the 2011 series, and your dad had said it first, right? He did it in 2002 to pay respect to him yeah
1: he he did it in uh I guess it was game six uh with the twins and the Braves uh almost 20 years prior uh to that exact date and the reason so, this is the beauty of Twitter sometimes Twitter can be horrible if you're me and you hate the Mets you hate the Yankees I hate you you're lucky you had a famous dad you suck. Uh, but I, I had I got on there and somebody had sent me a clip of a trivia question we had asked earlier in the game, and it was about Game Six and Kirby Puckett's home run. We'll see you tomorrow night, and so it was in my mind from earlier in that game, and and I always thought it was just. Hey, I, you know, it was game six, it forced a game seven. I was a booth over from where my dad would have been sitting. So I said it, but that's not the case. It was in my mind because it was a trivia question earlier in the game. And so when freeze hit it, uh, my mind immediately just went there because it was already bouncing around back there. So, you know, it's one of those where you know, freezes are, had already been a hero in the ninth inning for tying it. And then when the ball leaves the bat, and you see the outfielder kind of turn, and the shoulders go down, you know the ball's gone, as the announcer, and that's just what came out. So I, I tried to imitate not only my dad's words, but the cadence and the way my dad said it. So it just it just worked out that way.
0: Joe, what do you remember? Game five uh, with the Mets in two thousand fifteen, up to the eighth inning, Mets lead two 0 Matt Harvey walks off with a Standing ovation. In all my years to I can never remember that stadium being as electric as it was. And then it went poof. What do you remember about that night?
1: Yeah, I mean, kind of the same as you. the The place was. I mean, as an announcer, that that's gold. As an as a as a national announcer, you know. And and I'm not Gary Cohen, and I'm not you know whoever was calling it for the Cardinals at the time. I, I'm not Howie. I'm not these great you know broadcasters that get to do it looking at it from just one side. I you have to do it and you have to, that's why Mets fans, Yankee fans, Red Sox fans, Cardinal fans think I'm against their team because I have to get excited for the other side when they hit a home run as opposed to what they listen to all year long, where you have the same rooting interest as as the team's announcer. But I, I remember that place being like, my God, this is New York. Uh this is this great ballpark. This is the untouchable Harvey who's doing what he's doing. And it it felt like it was set up. I, it it became kind of an emotional decision. I think for Terry Collins to do, I go, do I send him back out there? And, or do I let well enough alone and, and go to the closer, I guess was Familia back then. Um, and, and keep it clean. And You know we we all know how the story ends you don't know it at the time though and and so it's easy to go oh that didn't work out that cost the mets that it did but that's sports and and you can't you can't armchair quarterback it after the fact if you felt that way at the time that he should come out then you have every reason to to go down the line with that but he didn't and and it just unraveled fast
0: So Terry hasn't backed off. He's stuck by his gun. He went to a wedding recently and he got the guy started yelling at him right in the middle of the wedding. Why don't you send Harvey back out for the ninth for the night? He so Terry left the wedding. I mean Did
1: that really know. happen?
0: Yes, yes. He was screaming at him, Why don't you take Harvey at out? He wedding. was done. You know, in a a wedding. Can I talk football, Leslie? New York is all about Aaron Rodgers now, you know, and I don't I'm Daniel Jones to the What's what's your gut? I mean, how is, are the Jets a Super Bowl team now, Joe? We're, yeah, we're close to be. Being-
1: I, I think they are. I, I think when you look at the at the lay of the land in the NFL, the majority of the power is in the AFC. So it's it's a harder road. If the Jets and Rodgers were playing in the NFC, I think you look at Philly, you look maybe at Dallas, you look at a couple teams, and you go, okay, those are the teams you have to get through in the AFC. You got to get out of that division, and then you got to deal with the AFC West teams. I, 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 I think they can be a Super Bowl team. And I, I was just with Aaron in Tahoe. He looks as good as he's looked in a long time physically, so I know he's dialed in. I think he knows there are doubters and the quote unquote haters, which I hate that word, but I just used it twice. Um, that that don't want to see him succeed. But I think he knows this is the this is the last chapter of, of a Hall of Fame career. And if he can bring a Super Bowl to the Jets, this is like he's nine, right? Yeah. One
0: super bowl. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's it. And That's and I, I think he's aware of all that stuff. So I if he's if he's gonna he's he's with a great, I think, coach, head coach. He's with a good defense. I think it all comes down to their offensive line. If their offensive line is better than it's been. Uh, and guys stay healthy, which they haven't, uh, like Becton and others. Brown, then I th- I think they can be a Super Bowl team, and I think it'll be a hell of a story that you know every network in the NFL is is going to try to latch on to. We have them week one, uh, his debut at home on September 11th against the Buffalo Bills, which is a, a great way for us to start at Monday Night Football. What do you think about my Giants? Uh, you know, I, I thought they were I thought they were great last year. They were fun. I would I would say this for anybody who doubts Daniel Jones. Your head coach knows what he's looking at. He was with Josh Allen. Your head coach, Brian, is is one of the I, I think one of the sharpest guys we've met in a long time. He has fun, he's a normal guy. He has fun, but he also isn't gonna be fooled. And and there if 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 Dable didn't believe in Daniel Jones. That deal wouldn't have gotten done. Dable knows what he's looking at. So to me, you know, the Barkley thing—that's got to get—that's got to get fixed somehow. Some of those fences have to be mended. But I, I so. but it, but as far as the quarterbacks concerned, I, I trust Brian Dable. If I'm a Giants fan, to go, this is the guy that we can ride for the next four years. I, I'm I'm all in on that one.
0: I, I would be remiss not to mention my good friend Tim McCarver. What was it like to have him as your sidekick for those years?
1: I was the luckiest guy. You know, he did two years of national baseball with my dad. That didn't go that great. But when I was, you know, I was 27 in 1996 when Fox got baseball. And when I was paired with Tim, the happiest guy in the world was my dad because he knew that whatever happened on the field, whether it was some crazy play or uh, an umpire's ruling or whatever it might be, Tim had seen it. And and Tim, I was in good hands to be kind of protected as the young guy to go to that big stage and have somebody like Tim McCarver as my sidekick. So I uh, I, I, I owe him so much because he could have dunked me early if I was making baseball points and he was dismissing him. he He gave me credibility. So I we ne- we worked together eighteen years. We never had a crossword. We never didn't get along. He always knew I had his back, and vice versa. So I, I was the luckiest guy to call him my partner for eighteen years.
0: Joe, Joe, last question: The preparation for football is it? How different is it for baseball? You're preparing for the season. You know, one game a week. You know, is it a different kind of preparation for baseball? It
1: is. I mean, I, I think with baseball, the hard, the hardest part is the day-to-day and, and the transactions. I mean, it is for you, you know, just with the Mets and the transactions and this guy's up and this guy's down. And then you add to it, who's hot, who's not, um, different storylines, personal storylines, whatever it might be. And you're doing that for every team and you show up and, and I would get there for a Saturday game and, and I'm doing the Mets and the Braves acting like I've watched the first 140 games, (laughs) that then played and i haven't and i'm trying to fake my way through it knowing the major storylines and kind of see what happens the nfl in some ways compared to that is a little bit easier because there there's chunks of information that happen you got six days of information and then a game and then six days of information and then a game and as opposed to day after day after day of You know, this guy went seven innings last time out. This guy's been overworked in the bullpen. He's pitched four games in a row, whatever it might be. So uh, it's a lot of reading. It's a lot of prep. But it's like one final exam at the end of every week that this big board I make with all the information I have on it. Baseball, uh, not to go on and on, but when, when I show up to a baseball game, it's a sprint. I get to the, you know, you get there four or five hours before the game. But you go into the truck. You have a meeting. You go talk to the managers. We don't know the lineups until we get there, and and you got to scramble and get those down, get all your information in your scorebook so it's readily accessible. Football, it, it, I once I get to the stadium, I'm ready to go because there you know the lineup, and and it's it's just a totally different, totally different animal.
0: Joe, will you watch World Series this year?
1: Oh God, yeah. I mean, I I, I cannot imagine. Not watching the World Series, and and I know why you you ask it. I did twenty four. I was lucky to do one, let alone twenty four. Um, and that was enough, you know. When when I, I had All Star games. yeah. I mean, and that's enough. Like it, it's time, like I said, to move out of there and let other blood get in there and other people and and see what they can do. Uh, but but I will never not watch the World Series. It's it's a part of my DNA. Well, Joe, I appreciate the time. Could you know say a prayer for my giants? I will. I will. I do daily. Just I think of you. Uh well, thank you. It's sad that you have to have a podcast for me to see that Jay Horowitz face, but I will say this well, to to anybody listening or watching or whatever we're doing here. Nobody loves their organization more than Jay. Nobody uh provides information like Jay. You're tireless. Um you're a great, know, yes. You're a great <laughs> laugh. Um, you, you, you just you're, you're the you're what they make in a computer for great PR personnel and and I uh, just a good friend. So, thanks I for all the help. It helped to see you along the way. Huh? All right, buddy. Thank you. Thanks, Jack. Thanks.